Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. It is day three of the French Open at Roland Garros in Paris. I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm David Law. I'm currently, let me tell you exactly where I am. Uh, I'm in Portugal at the moment. I've been attending a wedding. I've got an alarm call in about five hours to go to the airport. Uh, It it is nearly midnight here. Um, I'm in pitch darkness, sitting between two swimming pools at the moment, on a little table, listening to some of the worst band music I've ever heard in my life. But do I care? No, I don't, because I've got a tennis podcast to record with Catherine Whitaker, who is in Paris. Catherine, we nearly didn't do this. About half an hour ago, I said, we're not doing one tonight. And you, you kicked off. And you said, no, we've got to do one tonight. I did. You've got lots to talk you about. Jumped, you so jumped here we are. the gun and put out the tweet, David. We were, still, we were still negotiating about whether or not it would be possible. I was desperately thrashing around Roland Garros trying to find a live special guest couldn't find one tried to enlist the services of my backup option David Law and you were uh, indisposed next to a swimming pool but uh, now have made yourself available so excellent here we go (laughs) who needs sleep anyway Uh, anyway yeah let's just crack on so it is day three isn't it it is Wednesday yes today so no day four day four of the French Open isn't it Cracky, I don't even yeah, remember what day it is. Yeah, it's the odd, the odd uh, so, thing with them starting on a Sunday. It is all too easy to lose track. You all understand, Tennis Podcast listeners, that's absolutely fine. Loads has happened today uh, once again. I don't even know where to start. Do you know where I'm going to start, Catherine? I'm going to start by asking you about Steve Johnson because uh, I've been watching a couple of the little video clips of him. He, he, he lost his dad a few weeks ago, who was only 58 years of age, uh, somebody who was a great inspiration to him, it seemed, somebody who was his mentor, his coach, and, and he was obviously devastated. And here he was fighting tooth and nail against Borna Chorich who himself played a great part and smashed his racket at the end but it was it was really really emotional stuff watching Steve Johnson of the United States and, and hats off to him eh? Oh I mean yeah I know I'm a, a pathetically sentimental uh, emotional person uh, at, at times but I welled up watching that it was deeply emotional and and sort of tragic and beautiful at the same time it was just such raw emotion and and I know you see a lot of that on the sporting field but it's rarely as raw as as that you know so so recently said only a couple of weeks ago that you know 
winning matches is irrelevant to him now, except for the fact that he feels he's doing it for his dad. He almost gave up tennis. It's actually a story I heard Annabel Croft tell on um, Eurosport coverage earlier in the studio that he very, very nearly gave up tennis. He was such a fantastic college player, tried to turn pro, found it incredibly difficult. He remembers calling his dad and saying look I just can't do this you know I was a superstar in in college tennis and now I'm nothing I'm just not talented enough I really want to give it up I'm not enjoying it and his dad urged him to carry on and and he's had so far he's still going he's got a way to go but he's had a very very good respectable career and really maximized his potential and that's something to be really proud of and and oh it, it the contrast with what he was experiencing at one end of the court to to the sort of other or a different end of the spectrum of raw emotion that Chorich was experiencing with his quite epic racket smashing which I think was sort of understandable in the moment but I was a bit disappointed that even when he sort of saw up the other end of the court what Steve Johnson who had collapsed onto the clay was experiencing Chorich sort of continued with his racket smashing in a pretty petuous, childish kind of way. I know he's young, but I think on reflection, if he ever sees that video, maybe he already has, maybe he never will, I don't know. But I think he might feel quite uncomfortable with how it looked from the outside, with him reacting that petulantly and being so deeply in his own world when there was something a lot more significant happening at the other end of the court. But look, I, they're in the moment. I get it. It was an incredibly disappointing loss for Borna Chorich. I get it. I don't want to come down too hard on him. I just think it wasn't a great look and he'd probably agree if he saw it himself. Yeah, I dare say you're right. I, and he actually spoke pretty well in the press conference afterwards and, and, and paid tribute to Johnson and, and everything he'd come through in order to get that win. And yeah, I think you're right. It was red mist. It was just uh, couldn't accept it in the moment. And, and he always seems a pretty decent lad to me. So I, I'm fairly sure he will uh, he will end up feeling as you describe. Um Elsewhere on the men, we'll just go through the men's side. I don't even know what order I'm going in here. There's so much to talk about. Joe Wilfred Songa came out for for basically one game, Catherine, because he was playing this Argentine chap, uh, Olivo, is it? Renzo uh, Olivo, first time I've seen yeah. Him play. Renzo My Olivo, goodness, lovely what a good chap. player! What a good player! Fantastic player. Where's he been? He's 25. Where has he been? He's so fantastically talented and. Uh, I, I'm pleased for him. I think it's great. I, I think he more than deserved the victory. However, I was disappointed that <laughs> the resumption only lasted for one match. I really thought Songa would at least be able to hold serve and, and make something of it and, and give the crowd a bit of a treat, even if it didn't go into five. I was disappointed from that perspective. Um, but a little like with the resumption of this very Vadasco match yesterday, it really didn't go the way I thought. I thought Songa, the more experienced player on that kind of stage and in that kind of situation, would be the one to benefit from the overnight hangover, but absolutely not. Renzo Olivo, cracking performance, lovely chap, now gets to play Kyle Edmund and face another fearsome forehand in round two. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen now, don't you? Because he's had his big win on the big stage. Now he's going to have the, 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 the dip and Kyle Edmund's going to mop up, isn't he, and go through? Uh, it feels awful because I interviewed Renzo Olivo earlier and I wished him the best of luck and I really thought he was great and I really meant it when I said congratulations. But yeah, I do, I do think he's probably going to lose to Carl Edmund in the next round. Yeah. Huh. 
not to worry, eh? Uh, it's, it's just the way it goes. A uh, g- couple of good wins today. Well, Rafael Nadal was dominant. Oh. It was yesterday he played, wasn't it? I dominant. can't remember whether it was today or yesterday. Uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic. Djokovic oh, looked can pretty I just, decent as well. Can I just insert well. a comment about how fantastic Rafael Nadal was today? Uh, Robin Harsa, his opponent today, who... who oh, yeah, it was today, yeah. Yeah, who, to be fair, isn't at his most comfortable on claim, would, would probably take winning a round at Roland Garros as a decent enough result. But he gave a cracking quote in his press conference. He said, um, I, I, was, I, I played really well and was the better player at the beginning and then the warm-up ended which is my favourite quote <laughs> from 2017, <laughs> Roland Garros. Yeah, that's a good so one. So far, I That is a it. corker, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a corker. Now, listen, I, I didn't get to see the Djokovic match. Um, I, I read, uh, and, and this, this fits perfectly with my idea of the narrative of Andre Agassi taking over the coaching range of, uh, of uh, Novak Djokovic, that he, had, he was stepping in and taking the ball almost half volleying it aggressively Agassi style today in a way that he perhaps hasn't done in his career or he certainly hasn't done more recently. Any truth to that? I'm going to have to front up here and say I didn't see loads of it. I really was trying to keep an eye on it. It was happening at a time when I was across about three or four different matches and I was having to do a lot of courtside stuff on Philippe Chatrier around the Nadal match around the Muguruza match which we'll talk about in a minute so I wasn't able to watch it in as much depth as I wanted yes the glances that I did have at what was happening tally with what you're saying I also saw some glances of him you know looking a bit um, impetuous and 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 looking a bit sort of distracted and doing a, a little bit of the stuff that we've seen Djokovic doing of late. But yes, I did see some Agassi esque, obviously particularly on the backhand play. And look, Jao Souza and Andy Murray has found this countless times in the past. Is a good opponent for the likes of Novak Djokovic which is a shame for Sousa because he's a very very handy player but he just provides you with such a nice clean even rhythmic ball to hit doesn't he and that's right in the wheelhouse of a Novak Djokovic it's it's a great matchup for him and uh, he took advantage of it today largely uh, to get into his stride a bit yeah no I, th- I think there's some, some truth to that um Grigor Dimitrov, a winner over Tommy Robredo, straight sets. I, I, I'm telling you, I think this guy is looking the business. Let's say no one, no more about it. Well, can I, just, can I just very quickly say I agree with you, and he was very, very impressive and looked to have a bit of a a, a, a steely glare, steely, steely gaze. I, I was impressed, and I think he could could do something that's as vague as i'd like to be <laughs> brilliant that's that's my kind of <laughs> yeah, vagueness. that is a david law-esque uh, prediction right there yeah brilliant uh, i'll have a look at his draw in a minute you any idea where he plays in the next round i know he's got in the one of the next two matches he's got a really tough one has uh has dimitrov and i can't Just remember keep who talking, it is. David. Uh, but anyway i'll be able to tell you momentarily yeah let's keep talking let's go on to muguruza against contivate uh which was the match you're describing it ended with muguruza edging that one out after going a set behind against the very talented estonian and uh, I, I was following some of the tweets uh hannah wilkes in particular on twitter was 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 loving that match and really talking about the high level of it um, and, and Muguruza ended up coming back to win in three I mean she she could end up fighting her way through and going all the way again, she's capable, we know it 
Yeah, and I, something really clicked into gear for her today. She started to really... I felt like something happened to her when she was a set and a breakdown and she went, hang on a second, this is my stage, this is my trophy, this is my title and I'm going to fight for it. You're going to have to wrestle it away from me. And that's what I was wanting to see from her um, in the pre-match press conference, kind of in the opening round against Skirvoni. There were flashes of it and she did play well, but I didn't see the fire in the belly but I did see it today I love Annette Contevert I think she's the real deal not necessarily a Grand Slam champion real deal but I do think the sort of form we've seen from her on clay this season she can sort of replicate year round I don't see any reason why she can't I like her very much and uh, she didn't lose that today she made Muguruza raise her game and it was a sensational match particularly that second set it really was utterly gripping such high level they were belting that ball out there both of them they were just going for it completely they were were just intensity at 100% at both ends of the court and it was a treat to watch it really was yeah um Incidentally, just just quickly, Dimitrov against uh, Pablo Carena Busta yeah, that's tough. is next, which is is why tough, we were talking about th- that because he's been in such good form, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he has. But I do think Dimitrov's winning that. I do, I, and I think I'm now struggling to remember what I predicted, and probably that's a bit of selective memory because <laughs> because safe to say it's not going for brilliantly for anyone, uh, certainly not anyone on this podcast, but. I oh, think I was so relieved have, when Svetlana Kuznetsova won I in three think today. I have predicted that Dimitrov will make the quarters. I think. Have I you? Think, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, but I also predicted Songa oh. would make the quarters, David. If that makes you feel better. But yeah, I was relieved that Kuznetsova won as well. I tell you, mine have well. been mine have been dropping like flies. Like, tennis podcast listeners have been lining up to give me me a hard time. I can tell you. <laughs> Not just me, then. Great. No, definitely not just you. Um, so, elsewhere today, we have had uh, the revenge for Horacio Zabayos against Ivo Karlovic uh, after that 22-20 victory for Karlovic at the Australian Open. Zabayos won in three straight sets today. Uh, still in the women's draw, because I was talking about that a minute ago, wasn't I? Uh, Petra Kvitova is out. Um, obviously, the fairy tale comeback for her just to be out there at this tournament. She lost in two tie breaks against Bethany Matic-Sands. I doubt if she would be, uh, you know... she. She, she'll take that one on the chin, I think. It just, yeah. You know, it's it's a work in progress I for, think people it? were getting a bit carried away, honestly, after the first round. Suddenly, people were starting to talk about her winning the tournament. Look, she looked good. And and that's as good a story as we need about Petra Kvita at the moment. I don't want there to be any negatives. It was it was all good news, this tournament, from a Petra Kvita perspective. It's just the fact that people so far raised the bar after that match for what counted is good news and she did have a lot of chances particularly in that first set tie break uh and both tie breaks actually against Bethany Matic Sands and it's a bit of a shame but in the bigger picture it's irrelevant almost pretty much irrelevant yeah no I know what you mean uh elsewhere a a very good win for the young American Cece Bellis over uh Kiki Burton I tell you what David that is a very good win Cece Bellis still just 18 years old we've been talking about her for a little while she's been junior world number one she got that win at the US Open a couple of years ago she's still only 18 um and that's a big win because Kiki Burton's on clay is a top 10 player at least for sure Sure, and a semi-finalist here last year. That's big for her. First, third round of a slam. It's all, 
Yeah, that's that's cracking news for American tennis, her doing that. Caroline Wozniacki, um, oh. who, who isn't always that much at home on clay, beat somebody today, six love, six love, Francoise Abanda. I, just, I mean, you know, that's just plain mean, isn't it? it I mean, it, it, if you were six love, five love up against me, unlikely, but if the, if you were... You wouldn't win that twelfth game. Do you know what? You? I was sat in the um, the media control room with my producers and cameraman, the the whole team that I'm working with here at, at uh, Eurosport on site, and I was checking all the uh, scores and results uh, that were happening at that moment, and I saw that Caroline Wozniacki was six love, four love, and I reported that to the team, and somebody who won't be named said. Is it really sadistic that I want to put that on the monitor, on the monitor and watch the remaining games? So we did. I watched the last two games of that and poor Francoise Abanda, who, look, I can't judge on the basis of, of those two games. She's a 20-year-old Canadian player, certainly technique-wise and from her physique, looked to have the the bear the raw materials to be a very very handy tennis player but obviously by the point that I tuned in the ship had had rather sailed and she looked a very forlorn figure and Wozniacki Wozniacki fist pumped at six love five love 15 love she fist pumped winning a point in quite aggressive fashion and look that's what makes these guys champions and ruthless competitors I can't knock it but we did spare more than a little thought for poor Francoise Abanda at that point and um, yeah, she, she yeah. did look well, a, a pretty forlorn figure walking off the court Well name drop alert here uh, Carlos Bernard is the umpire uh, fist pumped when he was 6 love 5 love <laughs> up against me so, I think uh, anyway, if Carlos Bernard <laughs> is listening he will be delighted uh, to hear that his name being mentioned on the podcast counts as a, as a name drop I just sort of make a name drop alert no matter who I reference, just in case, you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I lost 6 love, 6 love. It wasn't very pleasant, I have to say, and uh, I've never been the same since. Hence why Catherine beats me in our previous... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, um, is there any other business from Catherine? I feel like we should probably mention Aliash Bedene. Not so much the match, although I will mention that he lost in four sets to Yuji Vesley. I think that's going to hurt a bit. He was completely outplayed for two sets, just completely bullied around the court. Yuji Vesely is a, a, a beast of a man. He's six foot six. He has this huge frame. He really is a bully on that tennis court, and everything was working for him. And Aliash Bedene looked. Uh, he looked, it was it was man against boy it really was for a while and then he suddenly started to find his rhythm a bit Vesely was unable to maintain the hot streak and uh, he had a lot of chances to break in the fourth set and I think had he done that he would have taken it to five it would probably have been called off for the night for bad light and then it would have been anybody's game tomorrow but the fact is he lost he went into press a, a, a very well attended press conference uh, given what he said after his last match against Ryan Harrison about uh, we talked about it last night didn't we or was it two nights ago who knows when it was uh, about uh, how he'd said he wouldn't rule out uh, playing for Slovenia at the Olympics because of how much he had wanted to play at the Olympics and he tried to clarify that in his press conference he said that what he was when he said uh, that he would see what could be done which is which are the words that he used a couple of days ago what he meant was I would see what could be done uh, specifically with Stephen Farrow he mentioned tournament director uh, of Queen's uh, somebody that's been very supportive of Aliash Bedene's plight uh, to play Davis Cup for, for Great Britain and generally his sort of emotional plight through the whole thing He's, he and Leon Smith have been great great supporters of his to their Great credit, but he said that that's what he was referring to when he said he would see what could be done. He was pressed on it further, of course, by the British press that don't miss a trick. Simon Briggs asked him more explicitly as a follow-up, so are you ruling out playing tennis for Slovenia in the future? And there was... It wasn't unequivocal, but my take on it was that he wasn't absolutely ruling it out. He made very clear that his priority, his desperation is to do so for Great Britain and he would keep on fighting as long as there was a fight to fight. But if it became clear to him there was no fight to fight, he would look at other options. That was my interpretation and just I'd say actually that that was what he said that was what he said um and just final thing to add on the matter is we actually had Leon Smith speaking uh, on Eurosport before the Aliash Bedeni match we were courtside uh for the warm-up and uh, I asked him about the matter I know he'd seen uh, the reports of what uh, Aliash had said after his last match I asked him what his take on it was and he said uh, in his very considered diplomatic way, which Leon always seems to have, he's, he's, he speaks very well. He said, look, I, I, I wasn't pleased to see those comments, but until he says them to my face, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Look, he seemed annoyed, Leon Smith. Make no mistake about it. He seemed annoyed. He wasn't saying, oh, it's nothing. I'm fully backing Aliash. But he was 
giving him the benefit of the doubt until they'd had the chance to speak in person. So I'm sure that conversation is coming up at some point very soon. And yeah, I'm sure there'll be more to report on the issue at some point very soon. But that is what we know at the moment. And poor Ali Ash is now headed to the grass. He was also, incidentally, David asked why he wasn't wanting to play Queens. And he said he loves Queens, but it's actually his coach, Nick Cavaday, that advised him not to play Queens because he's played so dreadfully there last year. And he said Nick's done so much for him and been such a good influence that he would be loath to ignore him. So that's the explanation for why Ali Ashbadene won't be playing at Queen's this year. I also know that uh, Nick Cavaday had also added, and, and Ali Ash had gone along with it, that frankly, and, I, and you may say I might say this, given that I'm the media director of the tournament, but actually the, the field is so strong there that there are so many players that he could run into and the chances of him making progress might be not that good. Um, and so that's what they said they wanted to do. I mean, I, I'm still surprised, personally, given, you know, it's it's still a pretty strong draw in, in Haller. But uh, Look, anyway, I, I do, his choice, I do get that, and I, I gather that's why Victoria Azarenka, for example, has decided to play in Mallorca rather than Birmingham, because she wants matches. She wants matches on the grass, she wants wins, and, you, you know, she's likely to draw someone pretty horrible if she were to play in Birmingham, because the draw there is so stacked the field is so strong so I get that I don't dispute that that's the reason I don't think it's the most brilliant PR move from Aliash Bedene but I do believe that from a sort of tennis point of view that is the genuine reasoning yeah uh, just a, a quick look ahead to tomorrow Catherine day five I do know what day it is it's Thursday and uh, it is going to be Barbara uh, this is uh, this is melodrama central this match Barbara oh. Stritzova against Elise Corner. it might not be the headliner but my goodness I hope the umpire is, has eaten a good sturdy meal tonight and maybe had a couple of G&Ts whoever the umpire is for that one because he or she is going to have their work cut out for them. Good luck to you, whoever you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andy Murray, talking about aggro, Martin Cleesand, did you see the, the match he had the, the other day? He ended up not shaking hands with I his opponent. I certainly did. So, Lauren uh, Lockley, he's, he's the next opponent was, of Andy it Murray. It was Cleesand that was trying to do the handshake, though, and Lauren Lockley that was refusing. He then got booed by his own crowd. There'd been you know, about four hours of sledging preceding the handshake moment. Um, I, I interviewed Martin Cleesand today and uh, he took a very diplomatic line on the whole thing, but he did say he was... Uh, expecting a handshake from Andy Murray tomorrow, win or lose, and that that would be uh, a a pleasant change from what he'd experienced so far uh, at the French Open. But I do think uh, regardless of how Murray's been struggling, etc., etc., I do think Murray's going to come through that and potentially play one Martin Del Potro in round three. Del Potro plays our Magro tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have that. That, We will have that. Uh, So, Catherine... You will be there tomorrow again after your whatever it is, five hours sleep or whatever you get. I get about four and a half the way things are going. Uh, anything else you need to talk about before we start? Uh, no, we'll be covering uh, We'll be covering Andy Murray tomorrow, of course. We'll be covering Kyle Enmud against Renzo Olivo. I think I'll be chatting to Mary Pierce at the top of the show. She's always great value. I'll be chatting to Patrick Martoglu. Later on in the day, he's good too. And then I'll be generally just running around and speaking to... Who knows who I'll be speaking to? There's a lot of sort of uh, ad hoc production that goes on, but that makes it um, a joy and a privilege uh, to cover. It really is... uh, It's a great tournament. I, I seem to say that every time, but... 
tennis, largely speaking, storylines-wise, is in a very good place at the moment. And as I say that, I know we need to wrap up because every minute of sleep is precious, but I've just said the word storyline and I've realised that we've not mentioned Ons Jabour, David, and we need to because she is the first Arabic woman to ever reach the third round of a Grand Slam. She's from Tunisia. She beat Dominika Sibylkova today and she's great. Yeah, she is indeed. We we must talk about her some more tomorrow. If uh, if you know if you can make room for me amongst uh, this this star A list of, uh, of of mega star I'll tennis people, I'll try and make room that, for you, David. That, that and I'll try and do with. it before the hour of twenty three forty nine, which is what it is now. That's what my iPads just informed me. <laughs> you know when you set your alarm. Excellent. I don't know. Our standards are probably different, but you know when you set your alarm it, and it tells you how many hours and minutes from now you've set your alarm for for me if it has if it starts with the number six i i feel sad (laughs) and tomorrow when i set my alarm in in a matter of minutes it's i think it's going to start with the number five and i'm going to feel very sad mine starts with the number four i know but that's a good that's a good night for david law that's a that's a terrible night for Catherine whitaker that's, that is that doesn't happen in the, <laughs> no. in the world of Catherine Whitaker. So it's an I, d- I don't wake up uh, anyway, the next morning. If I sleep have a good sleep, Catherine. Uh, go and do television stuff tomorrow on Eurosport and all that. Uh, thank you for listening, uh, Tennis Podcast listeners. This has been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with Eurosport and The Telegraph. We hope you've enjoyed it. We, 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 we couldn't not do it, could we? Here we were and here we are. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. 